chapter 4. Well, my heart has already been stirred. I'm sure yours has as well through what we've heard from our missionaries and in the singing and music tonight. It's been a joy to be a part of this missions conference. Uh, I'm in a, uh, a lot of revival meetings. I'm in a few missions conferences, and I have been blessed just by hearing uh, God's hand and his burden in these missionaries that he's called. And uh, it's neat. It's really neat. All three, I have been stirred by all three, both the testimonies as well as their presentations, and uh, looking to what the Lord is going to do in all of their lives and uh, in uh, their ministries that God has called them to. What a blessing. What a blessing for a church like this to uh, uh, pray for them and support them and be a part of what God does. God is on the move in our world today. <laughs> and uh, it is... Uh, it is when you begin to hear what God's doing in certain places, you realize, wait a second, God is alive and well. And friends, we need to be a part of what his heart is. In other words, be in tune with his heart and allow him to use us where we're at. Uh, but in these ways to be involved in work that is literally global. We live in a global world today, and uh, Acts 1-8 has that global commission long before our global viewpoint of modern society. But God wants us to be a part of what he's doing around the world. So, Pastor, thank you. It's been a joy to be back. Appreciate so much your, pa your pastor, Pastor Philbrook, and his dear wife and family. Uh, and I just uh, I thank the Lord for them and their love for Jesus and the desire to see the reality of Jesus go forward in the work of God, not just something else, but the person of Christ. And that, of course, he is the one who obviously makes that radical difference. And a joy to be back here and to thank the Lord for what he's doing here in this place and what he will continue to do as the Lord brings us to mind. Do appreciate your prayer as well. We have some prayer cards back there as well and headed on to Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland for the next number of weeks of meetings and so on as the Lord continues to uh, lead us across the country. Well, Matthew chapter 4 in the Word of God tonight. Before, uh, By the way, before we get there, let me introduce a couple more books at the table. Uh, what we dealt with this morning is largely covered in the book called Experiencing Jesus. Now, when I was here last time, I preached a message on Galatians 2.20. I'm sure everyone remembers it with all of the details. <laughs> uh, but uh, that message and this morning's message are kind of merged together on the frame of Galatians 2.20 uh, in this book. And when we talked about old man, new man, and uh, you know that old sin master, and then the new leader, the Holy Spirit moving in, uh, a lot of detail there, but there's pictures to help us see that. There are diagrams. And so we talked about the cross coming in like a knife and separating between the unregenerated human spirit and that old sin master that's pictured right here. And so if you need pictures to get you through a book, this is the one for you. <laughs> uh, but it's marvelous truth. And then there's a book called The Revived Life. This would be a, a thorough progression of truth on what it means to be filled with the spirit of God and know it. Now, friends, the scripture commands us be filled with the spirit. God wants every one of his children, every one of his children, to be filled with the Spirit of God and know it. Now, let me ask you, can you be saved and know it? <laughs> Absolutely. When you put your faith in Jesus, he said, he who believes on me has eternal life. The way you know it is because he said so. Amen. And you're taking him on the basis of his word. 
Well, in the same way, you can be filled with the Spirit of God and know it. And so we walk through that wonderful truth, starting with that hunger, uh, and then uh, the provision truths of the blood to cleanse, the Spirit to enable, the throne uh, to deal with the enemy. And that's a marvelous truth, spiritual warfare. Don't hear much about that in our day. And then how to access that for the overcoming life, for victory over sin, and then the overflowing life, uh, the, uh, allowing the life of Jesus to flow through you and impact those around you. There's also a book on the table called The Liberating Life of Jesus. The subtitle says, finding freedom in Christ between the two extremes of law and license. Uh, sometimes people focus on their, their, their version of what Christianity should look like, their version of law living, uh, that kind of thing, their list of do's and don'ts. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things we should do and things we should don't do. <laughs> but <laughs> that shouldn't be the focus. And so some overreact and they focus on no law. Well, that's still focus on law. They're just reverse legalists. The answer is in a life. Liberty is in a person. Jesus said, I came to set captives free. He's the liberator. And so we're dealing here with the liberating life of Jesus. There's also some, uh, some materials for the course. I mentioned uh, the other night, uh, I think I referred to the course called Netcasters, the Netcasters Evangelistic Training uh, uh, course. It's a course on the Spirit-Fed Life applied to witnessing. And there's one tackle box left there on the table. That's the whole course <laughs> in one box. There's some uh, tracks and uh, packages of 25. Uh, this is the gospel presentation as we teach it in Netcasters. It's one of them. We have several different ones. Uh, this is called the How Track, and it's uh, very colorfully done. You can give it away as a gospel track uh, to lead someone to Christ, or you can use it as a tool to just walk through the gospel and just sit down with someone and just walk through the gospel. And many times people have come uh, to net seminars and they've learned to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit and the fact of a ready harvest. And God has used this simple tool uh, to help them lead their first soul to Jesus Christ. So those materials are available back there as well. Matthew chapter 4 in the Word of God. We ended this morning noting that we have a new leader, the real leader, and that is the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus himself. And the real response of the real you to the real leader is to say yes to Jesus. We're going to see an amazing statement by Jesus here in this passage uh, as a part of his leadership in our lives. Matthew chapter 4. And I'll begin to read in verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me. Follow me. <laughs> and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway or immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, friends, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. These men followed him. They followed him. And he did do this in their lives, as we read about in the book of Acts. They began a journey that day when they followed him. They'd already met him, according to John chapter 1. They'd already met Jesus. They'd already believed in him as Savior prior to this moment. This is not a salvation moment. This is a discipleship moment. 
And they began a journey with the master fisherman. The title of the message tonight is Journey with the Master Fisherman. Will you join me in prayer tonight? And will you, as an individual, ask the Spirit of God to speak the truth of Jesus to you in a way that brings you further in your journey with the master fisherman himself? That ought to impact where you live right here in this part of Maine. And who knows where he might take you. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for already stirring our hearts. A spirit of the living God. Would you breathe new life into us, as was just sung? Fall fresh on us. Give us understanding to these familiar words on a deeper level. Lord, propel us down the road of our journey with you. Lord, I pray that you bless each one here in this church, in the ministry you've called them to in this area. Lord, bless these dear missionaries that have been with us. May they all know, Lord, your power of the rivers of living water flowing in their personal walk and witness. But Lord, I pray that they would also know the outpouring of your spirit and that mighty move of the spirit, those seasons of refreshing that grant great impetus and bring in a harvest quickly. So, Lord, do what man cannot do in all of our hearts. Make this time count. I plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, protect us from Satan's attack. Lord Jesus, I claim our position in you on the throne. In your name, I exercise your authority over any powers of darkness that would seek to hinder. And Lord, I trust you that that not be allowed. So speak to us now, I pray. Lord Jesus, may you be honored. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Sea of Galilee is a little over 12 miles from north to south and about seven to eight miles east to west. It's a very deep water lake and that's why those storms would whip up as the winds would come over those mountains and stir up that water. Uh, there is a fish there that these fishermen were uh, seeking to catch. It is a type of tilapia. Today they call it St. Peter's fish. <laughs> that's not what they called it in Matthew chapter 4. <laughs> but nonetheless, that was the fish that they were going after. As we read in our text, they use nets. And uh, we know from the pa uh, parallel passage over there in Luke, uh, they would fish during the night and then they would finish up in the morning. So Jesus is coming by in the morning. I remember one time my wife and I were on the Sea of Galilee. It was 1987. My father had taken us over there uh, to the Bible lands and we stayed on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. So we decided to get up early and watch the sunrise in the east right over the Sea of Galilee. It's so neat because so many of the Bible sites, they built a church over them. And you can't really see the site, you know, because of the building. Ah, but the Sea of Galilee is too big. <laughs> and so they haven't built a church over it. And so it's, it, it looks like what you think it would look like. Uh, it looks like what it looked like then. And we watched that sunrise. What a special moment. Well, it was a morning like that when Jesus walks that very shore. And he sees these men. And he says these words, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Ah, hear the voice of Jesus tonight, dear friend. Let the Spirit of God take the words of Jesus right into your heart. You see, these men heard those words, and they responded to that invitation. May we hear these words and respond to the invitation of Jesus himself 
when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What is the invitation to? Let's notice the text unfolds, really we might call it three progressive blessings. First of all, it's the priority of personal relationship. Now if you miss this, you miss it. Jesus said, follow me. A person, not a system. He says, follow me. See, it's an invitation to relationship with him. In the parallel passage in Mark 1.17, he says, come ye after me. But it's the same word translated follow here. Come after me. Follow me. It's the very word that Jesus used in John 11. When Lazarus had died and uh, was buried and they, they had, hey, Jesus had them roll that stone away. And he said, Lazarus, come. <laughs> that's our word. <laughs> come forth. And that's the same word we have right here. Come after me. Follow me. Now, friends, this is far more than a command. It's an invitation. You see, it's a very warm-hearted, uh, individualized, personalized invitation. Jesus says, follow me. He didn't say, follow fishing. He didn't say, follow a particular course of training. Now, he was going to train them. He did. But he didn't say, follow a, a training course. He said, follow me. He didn't say, follow sanctification. Or service. He said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Now friends, often we take our focus off of Jesus and focus on all the other stuff. Now don't get me wrong. God wants us to be holy. <laughs> sanctified. He wants us to serve him. But if your focus is on the stuff. You'll miss out on Jesus and you will be very handicapped. Because all you can do is at best produce the form of godliness, which means there is a form, but you deny the power thereof. And usually we don't even do well on the form. <laughs> and we cave in and, and uh, uh, so forth and so on. If not out in the open, uh, the closet sins. There's far too many. You see, the focus cannot be on the stuff. It's got to be on Jesus. Why? Because whatever or whoever you focus on is whatever or whoever you depend on. I think I mentioned this the other night, but it's so important and it just seems to evade us. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, see, right focus, the author of faith, right dependence. So if you're looking unto something other than Jesus, you've got a wrong focus. And as good as it, as it might be, you know, live a holy life and serve God, it sounds so good. It's the wrong focus. See, if you focus on holiness, it will evade you. You focus on Jesus, and guess what? You'll access Jesus, the Holy One, and you'll have holiness as a byproduct. Yeah. Oh, that's how this works. Yeah. Boy, it took me years to learn that. Some of us are really slow. But I'm telling you, this is so, so important because sometimes we just focus on everything else but Jesus as if the stuff is better than Jesus. And it's not. Now, 
He says, follow me. You see, if you, if you focus on your list of do's and don'ts, and again, as I mentioned, don't get me wrong. There are things we should do, obviously things we should not do. But if that's your focus, you're in trouble because that's a law focus. And whatever you focus on, you depend on. So now you're depending on the law. And according to Romans 5.17, the law has no power to help you do right. It's only there to show you when you do wrong. You see, you miss the power, so you revert back to self-dependence. And the flesh profits nothing. But you focus on Jesus. And yeah, he'll lead you to holiness. And yes, he will lead you to service. But now your dependence is on him, not you. Now, friends, it's so important because we can talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But if our goal is something other than Jesus, we don't have the power we're talking about. Jesus is not just the way, he's the end of the way. He's the goal, he's the aim. He is the holiness. He is our service. See, he's the serving one. You have no power in the gospel unless you're accessing Jesus. But when you're accessing him, I'm going to tell you something, he's a great soul winner. <laughs> See, that's the power of the spirit of Jesus, as we talked about on Friday night. He says here, follow me. Get the focus on Jesus. Get to know him. See, even when you read your Bible, it's not just, okay, I read my three chapters for the day. Okay, I'm, I'm good. No, you're not. An unsaved person can read three chapters a day. Spirituality is not the stuff that you do or don't do. Spirituality is not the box that you choose to fit in. The list or the system. Spirituality is being rightly related to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's being filled with the Spirit. That's spirituality. And by the way, a brand new Christian can be spiritual. It doesn't mean he's mature. That takes time. It takes time to grow in grace. But if we're all commanded to be filled with the Spirit, then a new convert can be filled with the Spirit, and that's real. If they are yielded to the Spirit and filled with the Spirit of God, they're spiritual. It doesn't mean they're mature. That's how you mature. And so, friends, when we read this book, it's more than just the intellectual stimulation of reading the words on the page. It's looking to the person, the living word, the spirit of God to take the truth that is connected to the words so that you see the word, you see the truth, you see the person, you see Jesus, truth personified. And that's when the truths of the scripture come alive to you. It's when the spirit of God opens up the truth to the person connected to the words, the living word. I'm going to tell you, isn't it wonderful when you are reading and the truth comes alive and the Spirit speaks to you and your heart is just stirred. It's like you've never seen it before. Well, you've, you probably have. You've probably read it many times. But you know when It's like you haven't seen it before. It's because the Holy Spirit is opening up the truth and you're seeing Jesus, the living word. And you know what? He's speaking to you. And I'm going to tell you, when the God who created the heavens and the earth is speaking to you, he knows you by name. And he loves you. And he has perfect wisdom for your life and perfect power to carry it out. And that's the God who's talking to you. See, Jesus said, follow me, converse with me, talk to me. See, they were going to get to do that. To actually there do that, we can as well through the spirit of Jesus. And so when you focus on him, looking unto Jesus, the author of faith, you see that right focus leads to right faith. And that leads to the right power because you're going to access the very Jesus that you're focusing on. Follow me, he says. They did. They entered into this walk, this relationship with Jesus. So there's the priority. 
personal relationship. But secondly, this invitation goes further. There is the promise of supernatural transformation. He says, and I will make you. I will make you. I will transform you. That's where we ended this morning, that metamorphosis. Not sin management, but metamorphosis. God changing us from the inside out. And friends, when you start accessing him and, and live right, then now you don't have to be focused all on your sanctification. Now you can be in tune with her, where he wants to take you so that his life can touch those around you. And literally, it be a supernatural impact and touch. He says, I will make you. Over in the uh, Gospel of Mark, it says, I will make you to become fishers of men. It implies process. You see, this part of it is the rest of our lives. It is discipleship. It is truly following him. And then as we do, he is transforming us. It's amazing when God uses us. It really is. He says, I will make you. I will lead you. I will empower you. I will equip you. And friends, when he leads you, now you can follow and your dependence is on him. See, if your focus is on good stuff, then your dependence is on the stuff. If your focus is on Jesus and he leads you, then now your focus is on him. And yes, he may lead you to this training or this uh, practical uh, application or method or whatever. But now your focus is not on the method. Your focus and your dependence is on Jesus. There's a radical difference. What happens is we see a church or a ministry or a person who's blessed of God. We say, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then we imitate their motions, their methods. That means our dependence is on the stuff instead of him. That's not what they're doing. The reason they're getting blessed is because they're focusing on Jesus. And sometimes we get it all messed up and we just try to imitate. And we wonder why is it working for them but not for us? You see, each one of us needs to be in tune with Jesus. He knows he knows, and he will lead, and he will equip. He says, I will make you. You know, I would guess that there's people in this audience that have been saved, some, some perhaps for years, and perhaps have not yet led a soul to Christ. Do you know if you get to Jesus, he'll change that? It's what he says, folks. I will make you. I will make you to become. I will transform you to fishers of men. And when he leads us, now we know he's going to bless. See, when we're just trying to imitate somebody else, we miss out. I think of uh, Henry Blackaby. Uh, he, uh, he's up in years now. Uh, he knew Duncan Campbell, who was involved in the great uh, uh, revival over there in uh, Scotland, Campbell came to Canada when Blackaby was in Canada and the Canadian revival of 1970, 71, 72. Blackaby was a part of the intercession that led up to that. But uh, he said, you know, when he pastored in uh, uh, Canada, he, he, they, they were burdened to have Bible studies on the campus of their, uh, their college that was in town. There was a secular college in town. So they tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed and failed. And he said, this isn't working. Takes us a while sometimes <laughs> to finally admit something's not working. You know, we can try to spin it, make it sound like it was a success when it was a total failure. <laughs> but the Lord met with him and showed him, look, 
You're trying to work where I'm not working. Why don't you follow me? <laughs> Let me show you where I'm working. Then see what happens. So he got all of his campus students together, the, the kids that were believers there in the church, that were on this secular campus, and he said, all right, we're, we're stopping all the stuff we've been doing. He said, I want all of us to come to grips with, we need Jesus. He's our leader. And he said, I'd like for you to have a serious talk with Jesus where you tell him, Lord, I'm available to do whatever you want. But you've got to show me where you're working. And if you show me where you're working so I know it's you, then I'll take that as an invitation <laughs> to join you and to know that it's going to be impactful and it'll be effective. So that's what they all did. They stopped doing all the stuff they were doing because nothing was working. And they said, Lord, we're following you. But you've got to show us where you're working. We know you're working. You care about these students more than we do. Uh, we've tried. We've failed. Nothing's working. Uh, we've tried to organize Bible studies and, you know, send out flyers and this, that, and the other. And there's a time for that if the Holy Spirit leads you. But see, they had left the Holy Spirit out of it. That was the problem. And so now they're saying, okay, Lord, you've got to show us where you're working. And we will take that as an invitation to join you. So that's what they did. And a period of time went by and one of the girls was in class and as class ended, she had her Bible there with her other books. That's just what she did. And Another student said, hey, is that a Bible? She said, well, yes. She said, really? She said, you know, a couple of my friends and I are really interested in the Bible. We don't know anything about it. Can you teach us? Now, that Bible study took off. And it began a sweeping movement that hit that campus in a powerful way. And now Bible study after Bible study. Why? It's where God was working. The method looked the same. The fishing was the same. The following was different. And that's what made the difference between ineffectiveness and effectiveness. You know, I wonder what God might do with you and with me. If we said, all right, Lord, here's another day. Thank you for letting me live. Now, Lord... You're working. I may not know where. I may not see it at first. But Lord, you're working. Now, Lord, if you show me where you're working, I'm going to take that as an invitation that you want me to join you and I can have the confidence that it'll be effective. I wonder what would happen. How many of you know the name Walter Wilson? Walter Wilson from the 20th century, right? Your pastor does. He was a medical doctor that God called to preach. It's a great story. And he tried to witness for Jesus and for 17 years was extremely ineffective. He'll tell you that. Fruitless. The guy worked hard. Brilliant man. And then he grabbed a hold of following Jesus. And the difference when the Holy Spirit gets in the equation. <laughs> because it's the leadership and power of Jesus. And he began to, uh, he started by giving his life to the Holy Spirit to be used for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus. That's a good idea. <laughs> it's called following Jesus. And then uh, he would get up and he would pray. Now, Lord, lead today to where you're working. Show me. And he said, Lord, I'm pretty dense about it. 
Make it plain. <laughs> and I'll join you. And he's written books. You can still read them. Just what the doctor ordered. Soul winning stories by Walter Wilson. Story after story after story of divine appointments where God opened up a situation and uh, he, he, he understood, okay, God's moving here and he gave the gospel and now there's impact. Why? Because God's in it. Friends, this is what Jesus said in Matthew. He said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his into his harvest. Did you catch this? Not his fields. Into his harvest. In other words, God's working in the fields, but people don't get saved without the message, and that's where spirit-filled believers come along. Because we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we're his body, and as we're filled with him, that life stream from the throne. See, that's why what we talked about this morning is so important. That's sanctification so you can get to this. And friends, when you access Jesus and you access his life from the throne, this is what's going to add power to the message as it is given. And so it's very important for us to recognize he is on the move. He cares more about souls than we do. The Lord of the harvest is preparing hearts. It's like we heard Brother Matt say tonight, the culture of Japan. Here they've opened it up to the gospel and here's all these people seeking, 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 but they have no peace. They've tried materialism and all the stuff the world has to offer and they need Jesus. You know what that means? They got prepared hearts. And God knows specifically which hearts are the most prepared. And when you pray and ask God to thrust you into the harvest, what you're doing is you're praying for God to connect you with where he's working. See, the Holy Spirit, according to the book of Acts, is the Lord of the harvest. Ask him, God, where, where are you working? Bring me there. Show me there. Lord, don't let me miss. Give me that divine appointment. Bring me right into it. And you're asking him, you're praying the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth, that he will thrust out you as a laborer right into his harvest to connect you to where he's working. And I will tell you, you'll see God work. Remember, I was at a netcaster training, and a, a man was with me as we went out to, uh, to, to apply the truth, and we just simply prayed. Why? Because Jesus is the leader. <laughs> That's why. And just simply said, Jesus, you know where you're working? You know, and we were in a big city, inner city. I said, you know among these thousands who we should talk to. Now, Lord, connect us to the right people at the right time. Bring us right into that harvest. And as we mentioned Friday night, Lord, free us to speak, free them to hear. We're asking you, we're taken, and then, then we went. And so we, we went to a busy section of the city, and people were everywhere. We're passing out tracks, but everybody's so busy, they're going in and out of stores, you're not going to get to talk to anybody. I said, hey, you got any, got any parks close by? He said, yeah, there's one two blocks away. So, well, let's go over there. Went over there, talked to this one, this one, but they're walking a dog or running, whatever. And then uh, we were just walking around the path, and a young lady, college girl, comes out with her dog getting ready to run. And she comes out of like a clubhouse thing. But she hadn't started running yet. And uh, if we had been there 30 seconds earlier or 30 seconds later, we'd have missed this. See, this is God guiding you right into that divine appointment harvest. And we engaged her in conversation. She said, yes, I'd like to know. 
30 minutes later, she's bowing her head, admitting to God that she's a sinner that deserves hell, and calling on Jesus, trusting Jesus as her Savior. I remember the trainee said, you know what? This, this, is, this is so simple. <laughs> you talk to Jesus about it. And then do what he says. Just follow. You see, it's not a magical formula, friends. It's a relationship with the person. And he says, I will make you. And he'll lead. And sometimes he leads to a given method. Uh, you know, God's used door-to-door -door for years, but it's not the only method. But you know, God still uses it. Uh, then in places, sometimes they, uh, like apartment buildings, I remember in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the North Campus, where all the international students were, on the University of Michigan, my brother-in-law, he said he was bummed when they started putting the, uh, the buzzers, the buzzer lock system. And so he thought, well, that doesn't have to stop us. Instead of going door to door, we'll go buzzer to buzzer. <laughs> Not buzzard to buzzard, <laughs> but buzzer to buzzer. So he started doing that. He said, man, I like it way better. He said, this way you don't have to take all that time walking from the, you know, this door to the next door. <laughs> you just go like this. <laughs> and he says, you get through the no's, people who are not interested quicker, because you're not looking for the ones not interested. You're looking for the ones where God's working. And he says, when someone says yes, and they buzz you into the apartment, they just buzz you in. You're in for a divine appointment. And he's led a number of students to Christ through buzzer to buzzer soul winning. <laughs> See, follow Jesus. He'll lead you. It's amazing what he gives you because he knows the need. He knows what's going on. We live in a culture that has been uh, largely coffee-fied. <laughs> Starbucks claims to have changed American culture. Well, they have in some sense. And a lot of business people, you know, even before COVID, learned that it was a whole lot cheaper to take their computer to Starbucks and let them pay for the utilities instead of having their own office. And so forth and so on. And so there's a lot of people in coffee shops. I have dear friends who go coffee shop evangelism. Now, doesn't that sound appealing? <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, get your focus back on Jesus. But uh, at any rate, uh, I have one dear friend. I'm going to be with him in a couple of weeks for a meeting. He's a master at this. He goes into Starbucks. You know, he knows everybody by name. Now all the workers. Oh, hey, how you doing, Joel? And so on. And then uh, he'll go in and he goes, now you got, you got, you got, you got, you got, you pray ahead of time. God, show me. Lead me to the right one and all that. And then he said, you just sit down. You look for that one that's not busy working because they're busy working. Look for that one who's just sitting there drinking coffee. And I'm going to tell you. God uses him. I think of a meeting I walked into a few months ago, west of Knoxville, Tennessee. I walked into a revival atmosphere affecting two churches, touching a third. It's an amazing story. It began when uh, a pastor started a coffee shop because his church had dwindled so small they couldn't pay him enough. He did this. But at the same time, God met with him over some sin issues in his life. He came clean about them with the right people. God began to move. See, you get past the sanctification, now you can get into God using your thing. And uh, uh, he started this, uh, this coffee shop. He, uh, he was very open about the work of God in his life. In fact, he was more open than some people are comfortable with. But it's just who he is. And he'll say to people to come to the coffee shop, yeah, you know, here... Uh, uh, I've, I've known the Lord for years, but he said I was a porn addict. 
He said, but I got right with God. I got right with my wife. I came clean about it. And he said, God has delivered me. And it's been this many months now. And people are just dumbfounded. Even lost people think God's that powerful. <laughs> and, of course, there are saved people that probably have the same issue in their life. And, and I'm going to tell you, a revival has started in that coffee shop. I walked into this church situation. I'm telling you, God was on the move. Church had grown from 15 to 80 during COVID because God's on the move. The issue is not the coffee shop. The issue is he started following Jesus, and that's what Jesus led to. So that's my point here. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. I know of a church in Singapore. And uh, there was a great revival there from 2000 to 2005. The church went from 250 to 2,500 without compromise because of an actual outpouring of the Spirit of God. But they also had a prayer meeting. And if you missed this, they wouldn't have had the outpouring. Uh, the prayer meeting uh, was every morning from 7 to 9. Now, I'm not saying imitate that or you're following that. You've got to follow Jesus. But this is what Jesus led them to. They had a prayer meeting every morning, 365 days a year from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. Not a large prayer meeting. It's just probably no more than about 12 people. But they have shaken all of Southeast Asia. Literally. Many countries have come out of this revival in this church. Uh, Forty of their own left their professional callings to go into restricted access nations with their professions of dentistry and whatever they had and the gospel. I mean, God on the move. It's just phenomenal. But these prayer meetings would be uh, uh, were, were very real. Well, they also had a prayer meeting every January uh, where the leadership of the church would meet and they'd say, all right. Lord, you're in charge. What do you want us to do this year? <laughs> what methods? What do we need to stop doing? Because it's no longer what you want right now. What do we need to start doing? What do you want us to keep doing? I wonder what would happen to the American church if we did this. We just get caught in our, you know, caught in our rut and we just you know, try to force things. One good thing that's come out of COVID is it's busted a lot of ruts. <laughs> but at any rate... Uh, uh, so they would pray, and God would lead, and then they would just obey, because now it's him. Now their dependence is not on the method, it's Jesus. And one time the Lord just said, take every opportunity I give you. And uh, this was 20 years ago, and this one girl in the church was a professional skateboarder. Remember when those skateboard parks were popping up everywhere? And she was a pro, and she said to the pastor, hey, I'm a pro, I can train. She says, you set up the training, I'll do it for free, and you guys witness and for three months, they did that. They led, I think it was 70 teenagers to Christ. And then it was over. And okay, we don't have to force it. We're done. It was the season. And so that's the point. You're obeying the Spirit of God. They had a generation, uh, a group of teenagers there in Singapore that uh, everybody neglected because uh, these were the rejects of society. If you don't do well in education in Singapore, uh, you don't get placed well in society. Your, your grades in education is how you get placed in society in Singapore. And so uh, the kids that didn't do well, uh, sometimes just because they were neglected by their parents because they hardly ever saw them, it wasn't because they weren't smart, but if they didn't get those good scores, they're the rejects. And so that, that, that group of teenagers would hang out a particular corner in downtown Singapore. Now, Singapore is a nation, but it's an island, and it's basically a downtown. That's, that's the whole nation. It's an amazing place. Uh, so they would hang out on this particular corner, and the Spirit of God, one uh, time as they were praying in that January prayer meeting, said, go to those guys. Well, nobody went to that group. They're the rejects, the freaked out ones, and they don't look right, and their hair is freaked out, and this, that, and the other, and so on. <laughs> but they started going. Spirit-filled believers 
walking into that group of teenagers. The dear lady, very refined, um, well-dressed Singaporean lady, filled with the Spirit of God. She came to their corner <laughs> with some of the other church folks. They began to engage these kids in conversation and actually care about them. People know if you're just in it for you or you're, you know, ticking your boxes at your church versus actually caring about them. And so I was there in the church service. I was actually preaching the first Sunday that two of those came. So it was the first time that two teenagers from that corner came to the service. And sure enough, they looked as wild as you can imagine. I preached. After the service, they talked to them. Both of them trusted Christ after the service. My friend asked them, why did you come? And they pointed to the refined lady and the well-dressed, you know, the well-dressed lady. He said, because of her. Well-dressed ladies don't go to their corner. But spirit-filled ones do. And the love of Jesus touched those two teenagers. And from that point onwards, for the next number of months, they had a whole harvest of souls, scores of them. Now, friends, I think of a church in Seoul, Korea. They trained their people. This is what God led them to do. See, again, it's not imitating any of these things. It's, it's going to Jesus, and he'll show you what to do. But God told them, all right, you're in a big city. You've got thousands of people everywhere. And they would, I forget what the radius was, a certain radius around every home of a church member. They, uh, the plan that, uh, that they were burdened from the Lord with was memorize the name of everybody in your neighborhood in that radius. You know, when you can call someone by name, it means a lot. It shows love. It shows care. You know, Jesus cares. And so they said, memorize those names and then uh, pray the neighborhood and occasionally go through the neighborhood and look for people who need help with maybe fixing this or that and, and offer it. And when the Spirit of God says, speak, then give them the gospel. You know, Jesus healed people and he preached the gospel. The physical care opened their heart for the spiritual care. And so this church would do that. They memorized the names of these people. They would pray their neighborhood. Uh, they would go. They would offer help, do this, that, and the other. And as the Spirit of God said, speak, they would speak. And they began to win these people to Christ. And they would start these Bible studies on their block. And then they would fold them into the church. And they saw hundreds of people come to Christ. See, Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. We live in the day of online courses. I was at a camp. <laughs> where at the end of the camp, they, uh, they take the kids right into the community, little town in North Dakota. And so we had a little packet of the church information and so forth and so on. But there's a little card that said, free! <laughs> Online Bible course. <laughs> so we knock on the door, you know, we're so-and-so from Victory Baptist Church over here. And, and uh, they're about to shut the door until we say, and we'd like to offer you a free <laughs> uh, Online Bible course. And the door come right back open. Well, why not? In other words, Get the mind of the Spirit of God. You know, God knows how to reach Mainers. God knows how to reach the people of India. He knows how to reach the people of Japan. And he knows how to reach the people of Maine. Do you know he actually does? Do you know he understands your culture <laughs> probably better than, than we do? Well, definitely me. I'm a Michigander. 
Actually, I grew up in Chicago, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not a mater. But nonetheless, you know, Jesus knows what he's doing. Follow him, he says. Follow me, and I will make you. He, in other words, he will lead you. He will empower you. He'll give you the ideas. And now, even on methods, now your dependence is on him. That brings us to the third point here. There's the purpose of making disciples. I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. I told you on Thursday night about a revival. I gave the details quickly. That took place in Iowa. It was 2003. Uh, when uh, the church had had some rough water. That lost a lot of people. Lost the teenagers and youth group. But that's when the youth pastor read the pursuit of God. Remember that story? And uh, if not, then act like you do. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, they began to seek the Lord. Remember the fellowship of the burning heart? Okay. Well, part of the story I did not tell you is that same assistant pastor, the intercessor in that revival, one of, one of the key ones, he went to the Lord at the end of the week. He said, all right, Lord, I've tried everything. And he'd gone to a, co a Christian college where, you know, you, you, you try everything. He says, I'm not very effective. You said if I follow you, you will make me a fisher of men. He said, all right, Jesus, I am following you. Now it's in your court. <laughs> and you show me what to do. You lead me. If I know it's you, then I'm coming along because you said it. Well, a couple days later, he gets a phone call. They're out in the country on the east side of Des Moines. This is on the edge of Des Moines. Uh, there's a juvenile jail, young people. They said, hey, we need a chaplain. And he was about to just turn it down because, you know, he's busy already. And he thought, wait a second, I told Jesus I'd follow him. <laughs> I wonder if this is of Jesus. And so he thought, well, at least check it out. He said, okay, well, I'll come one day and just check it out. And if... If I believe God wants me to, I'll, I'll, I'll start helping. <laughs> so they get there, and they let them make this announcement. There's this hallway of jail cell, cells, all these teenage guys in there. And he makes the announcement. Uh, I'm uh, Pastor so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, uh, I'm here to talk about the Bible. And if you want to talk with me about the Bible, I'm walking down this hallway. Meet me at the end of the hallway. <laughs> now, this is not maverick marketing. <laughs> He walks down the hallway, turns around, waits. One head pops out. <laughs> and that was the beginning. Jesus said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Friend, he said it. Will you follow him? And then trust his leadership and his power because he'll lead you and he'll transform you and make you effective in leading people to him. Let's bow our heads for prayer.